everyone. This is Keith. You're listening to Minisode 5 of Pleasure Town. This is part of our Write an Episode contest. This episode was written by Matthew Aaron Glover, and it's quite the episode. It's actually the largest ensemble we've ever had for a Pleasure Town episode of, of, of any kind, let alone a Minisode. So Mini is a little bit of a misnomer on this one. Special thanks to our associate producer, Emily Modaff. She did a fantastic job wrangling all of our cool, cool cats that made this show, a uh, this episode, a, a reality. We are still looking for a historical figure who will grace season two of Pleasure Town. So please go to PleasureTownShow.com, click on Join the Story, and submit your idea. Or you could also submit it through Twitter at PleasureTownOK okay, or through Facebook. And finally, stay tuned for Minisode 6 in a couple weeks where we will have a very special announcement that we're making. Very excited to share that with you. Now, without further ado, enjoy this episode. Use camphor to start with. Add a measure of turpentine, red pepper extract to make it taste a little exotic and a pinch of fat, pork, beef, whichever, as long as it mixes well. Sassafras, ammonia, or opium won't hurt if you can find them. Blend it all generously with mineral oil, and there you have it. A bona fide cure-all for any ailment that concerns the mind and soul. As for the body, well, those results can vary. (laughs) I'm not a doctor. Ladies and gentlemen, pleasure towners of all walks of life, welcome! My name is Professor Morris, and might I say, God bless you all on this most beautiful and auspicious day. The good Lord above provides many great things on his earth the birds, the beasts, the trees. (laughs) And of course, the women. (laughs) However, Some of us may be less blessed than others. There are those who suffer among us, ladies and gentlemen, afflicted with such ailments as to cripple the body. For they who are burdened with malady, hope may seem distant. Do you feel helpless to your affliction, pleasure towners? Lost or out of options? I'd only been in pleasure town for a few days and I'd already met some of the most peculiar characters. There was Cyrus and Claude, the two sides of the coin that was this town, a shaman John, who wasn't like any shaman I'd ever seen, and that doctor I'd caught snooping around my wagon. There was something off about him, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I could see him standing at the edge of the crowd, arms crossed, face set in stone behind those round glasses, in his black coat and hat. No longer! I offer a salvation for your woes! Behold! The miracle elixir, Dr. Zappucci's liver health tonic! As we all understand, the liver is the center of continual balanced health for the human specimen, and keeping it clean and regulated is essential to the quality of a long, happy life. 
Dr. Zappucci, one of the greatest medical minds the Western world has ever known, has formulated this tonic specifically to combat the devilish things that malay the liver. And what exactly can it do, Mr. Professor? And then there was Mortimer. <laughs> Mort was a squat drunkard of a man with no hair and a shirt full of holes. I met him slumped against the outside of a bar, hand outstretched for a few spare coins. I pitied the creature, and out of the kindness of my heart I picked him up and guided him into the bar where we talked far into the night. Well, my good friend, let me ask, what ails you? What medical grievance has life visited upon you? My knee shot, mister. Oh my, how dreadful! What happened? I was shot in the knee. Oh, well, I certainly see. It's been a bum limb for years now and too weak for me to work. Can that stuff really help? <laughs> well, just sit right here, Mr. Uh, uh, Mortimer. Well, Mr. Mortimer, please have a seat right here while I demonstrate. Here, I will slather the offending limb liberally in the liver tonic while Mr. Mortimer will take a carefully measured amount. Take two swallows. Now, then let's see if Dr. Zappucci's liver health tonic has passed the test, shall we? Why, I... I feel so much better. I think I can walk now. Yes, look! I walk just fine! I showed Mordov like a little sideshow, <laughs> as I'd done with a hundred other volunteers in a hundred towns before. It didn't take much proof to get a few takers to start lining up for a bottle, but these folks were different. I scanned the crowd only to see blank expressions, dubious looks, or outright scowls. Every face had a scar all its own. Each had known betrayal and hardship. Many had kissed hopelessness. I admit, I hadn't anticipated such cynicism. I could see Claude hovering at the edge of the crowd, watching with shaded eyes as he pressed a flask to his lips. A pair of icy blue eyes met mine as I swept the crowd a second time. There stood a young woman, no more than twenty, pale and lean with an immodestly cut dress, smiling in the afternoon sun. I dared a wink in her direction. Behold, ladies and gentlemen, this is the miracle of the liver tonic at work before your very eyes. Please make a line Don't here. Don't give that huckster a single penny of your money. <gasps> we know your top round here, professor. You waltz into town with a fancy new snake oil to shill, taking the town's folk for rubes. We don't cotton to that in Pleasure Town. Madam, please come forward. I've absolutely nothing to hide. Please, what can I do to demonstrate the truth in the miracle elixir of Zapucci? If that rubbish worked like you say it does, you could do something about my friend here. Of course, this woman and her friend were all part of the plan. They were my plants, my shills, compatriots placed in the crowd. Wouldn't do to have an actual naysayer. And if all the masses needed was a little push, 
then who am I to deny them? I met her friend first, a few nights before, poured drink after drink into him, spilling friendly and disarming chatter into his ear. Mortimer, my friend, trust me. I understand how hard it is out there. The world will swallow you up and spit you out without a lick of pity. Never let an opportunity go to waste. Grab it and hold on with all you've got. You see, I've hit that hard, rocky bottom, and then I dragged myself up by the bootstraps, shook off the dust, and... And found another opportunity, huh? And another after that, I suppose, and then more? How fortunate for you. And then she appeared, sidled up to my left without my noticing. She had a few wrinkles, a ruddy complexion with silvering hair bound tightly behind her head. Her eyes were very dark and danced when she grinned. I could not have asked for two better shills. Fortunate indeed. Can I buy you a drink? Oh, yes, please. You can just call me darling, and I'll happily take that drink. You're new in town, Mr. Morris, and it shows more than you think it does. I don't know what opportunity you came chasing into Pleasure Town, but I can guarantee this place isn't anything like what you've seen before. Darlin spoke sharply, but her clothes were a little worse for wear. I saw an opportunity. Let no one say Nicholas Morrison ever let an opportunity go to waste. Well, Miss Darlin, I treasure your sage advice and I'll take it to heart. But opportunity only comes knocking once for most people. How would the two of you, my new friends, like to hear of an opportunity that could prove to be very lucrative? From whose standpoint, exactly? Let me guess, you want me and Mort to play like the blind man touched by the Lord's hands? Help people believe in your magic potion? You think you're the fox in the hen house, I bet. We can read you like a book. This isn't New York. Hell, this ain't even Houston. This is Pleasure Town. Better listen to Darlin', mister. She knows this place better than most anyone. Better just take a drink and forget about it. Darlin', my dear, I've been to every city and township of note in this great country and many more that aren't. People are the same. Whatever religion or race or nationality they happen to be, they are, by and large, creatures of habit and self-interest. They want an easy solution to their problems, whether it works or not is completely secondary, and I'm simply here to provide it. And that gives you all the reason in the world to separate people from their money? Their right to tend to their own affairs and pursue happiness as they see fit? You say self-interested. Pleasure Town says free. A freedom that should be extended to me, a simple businessman. I promise money-back guarantee to anyone who tries my tonic. If you're not interested in this venture, you're quite free to take no part in it. She stared at me, and I stared right back. After a long moment, she leaned over and murmured something to Mort, who only nodded. Let's hear what you propose this partnership would be. We can at least be courteous to someone so generous with his drinks, eh, Mort? We sure can, darling. We sure can. <coughs> Ain't nothing that can cure me of this dang blasted cough. 
Let me take a swallow. <coughs> oh, my dear sir! Please, please have my personal bottle free of charge. If this doesn't help, consider nothing lost. Now, breathe deeply, slowly, but deeply. By God, I ain't coughing. It works. It had proven to be a very beneficial fellowship between Mort Darlin and myself. Darlin had vouched for her big, bald friend with a cough. He took deep swigs from the bottle I'd crafted myself. A little extra opium, some honey, and mint always did the trick. When our little show closed, people ponied up their cash. They fell in line as my friends made themselves scarce. The doctor tried to raise an objection over the crowd, but he was drowned out despite his efforts. I gave him a bright, friendly smile and took a handful of bills. Nearly an hour later, my wagon was almost empty, and my coffers were stuffed to the brim. That's when I let my guard down. I caught the blue-eyed girl lingering near the wagon as the crowd began to disperse. She waved to a gaggle of male admirers, laughing at their whistles and blown kisses. I approached her with a spare bottle and a smile. Hello, young miss. Is there something I can help you with? The shop's closed for now, but if you require an emergency dosage, I can certainly make an exception. Oh no, Professor. I'm quite all right. I'm sure your tonic can do a lot of folks some real good, though. You really know your medicine. Well, ma'am, it's my solemn duty as a child of God to help the helpless, whether by deed or by word. And such a noble spirit to boot. Professor... Oh, you can just call me Nick. No formalities needed here. And you can call me Tara, Mr. Nick. Well, Tara, it's a rare treat for a working dog like me to see a beauty of your caliber in my travels. I must depart Fair Pleasure Town soon, but it would please me if you would accompany me to dance tonight. Of course, unless you are previously engaged. I'd love to, Nick. That's awful sweet of you. Why don't you wear one of them smart jackets to match them smart words here? <laughs> My pleasure, Miss Tara. Give me a small moment. Mort and Darlin were packing the wagon. Darlin gave me a smug look. Nick, don't be dallying now. Pretty girl like that might make you forget yourself. Oh, it's just a dance. I'll have a little jig or a drink or two, and I'll be back here well before sunset. The moon will be behind those clouds, and we won't have to worry about a thing. Nick, your wagon's got a weak joint, and these wheels got a whole lot of wear on them. Let me take it to a friend of mine. He can fix it. Well, that's fine, Mort. Many thanks. If you'll excuse me. Hope you have your story straight. The doctor's no slouch. Best keep your wits about you, Nick. Let me worry about the doctor. We'll be long gone before anyone comes sniffing around. Now, friends, I have other matters to attend to. <laughs> One drink with Tara turned into three. One dance turned into many. The music played on and I shuffled and stepped in time next to the bewitching girl as the hours ticked away. The pleasure towners were far more friendly than Darlin had painted them. They loved their debauchery and hedonism nearly as much as they loved to share it. 
The sun was sinking fast, but it hardly mattered. All that did matter was that the drinks were pouring and the girl was pretty. I was too enthralled to hear the doctor calling me out until he was next to me at the bar. You owe me money. <laughs> I think you must be mistaken, sir. I ensure personally that all my debt is kept in check. I figure you owe me $25. 50 cents for the 42 bottles of worthless mineral oil and pig fat you sold as legitimate medicine that I had to buy back, plus interest for the trouble of talking those good people you swindled down from hanging you in the center of town. Now why, on God's green earth, as an esteemed and learned member of the medical community, would you take away what could have very well been someone's salvation from their illness? As an esteemed and learned member of the medical community, it is my solemn duty to, above all else, do no harm. Watching idly as people swallowed a bottle of lies while a real disease ate them alive would be the definition of doing harm. Is that true, Nick? I thought you said you got those bottles from a real doctor. If there ever really was any Dr. Zapucci. I sincerely doubt that any real doctor would prescribe a bottle of common household ingredients for a hangover, much less all the fantastic maladies Professor Nicholas Morris claims. I find your tone very unfriendly and your statement entirely unfair, sir. You owe me money. Is that so, doctor? Or are you just afraid that disease could be put down by so simple a cure? Put you and your ilk out of business, hmm? You act as though you have me all figured out, Doctor. Well, I know you and your type, too. Physicians who sit so high and mighty in your towers of learning, far away from any real suffering, swallowing all the dogma the medical establishment puts down your throat, and when someone presents the public with a real solution, one which dares bump against your precious establishment, you punish and threaten them. Is that it, doctor? Scared? He hardly moved. Sipping from a glass of scotch I hadn't seen him order, he leaned against the bar, giving me a piercing stare. He finished his drink. You owe me money. I realized I was causing a scene. People stared and some had stopped dancing to look over at the shouting. It was long past time to make an exit. <clears throat> My good sir, it appears our disagreement has disrupted these good people's good time. Let's conduct our business outside, shall we? We left the saloon and stepped into the street. A few people followed us outside, anticipating an entertaining rumble to cap off a night of revelry. He didn't say a word, standing like a bespectacled obelisk dressed in black in the middle of the desert. We are two reasonable gentlemen, and I doubt we will need to settle this with violence. You say I owe you for the bottles that you took upon yourself to relieve my customers of. I will happily reimburse you. I reached for a purse that was no longer there. It was gone. And so was Tara. It seems a swindler and his money are soon parted. A real pity. I needed that money to pay for more supplies. Real medical supplies. You should leave, Mr. Morris. 
before someone else has a disagreement with you. I don't think they'll be after just your money. Oh, I'm sure you'll see to that. You, you son of a bitch. Oh, hell. You fake, you cheat, scum, scoundrel, confidence man. The bald man, Darlin's friend, emerged from the gathering crowd. His face was red, his fists clenched tight, spittle flecked on his mustachioed lip. My apologies, good sir. I have business to attend you to. You sold me that bottle of your damn medicine. You told me it could have fixed my cough. The liver tonic has been shown to have real effect on... But I'll be damned if it didn't fall off my table and my sweet little dog Brutus had lapped up half the bottle before I could stop him and... Now he's dead! You sold us bottles of poison, monster! I love that goddamn dog! No, sir, I am deeply sorry for your loss, but in no way is Dr. Zapucci's liver tonic meant for pets. You sold us poison. Poison! It seemed the time to depart had long passed. I ran harder than I'd ever run in my life, keeping a hair's breadth ahead of the mob. I somehow lost them in the back alleys of Pleasure Town. I zigzagged between taverns and houses, making my way to the wagon. I shouted for Darlin to get it moving, but there was no answer. It was there, as I rounded the corner, still shouting. The horses were gone, as were Mort and Darlin. The wagon sat in the dust. Having been stripped of its wheels and most of its other parts, the crates of unused and worthless tonic were tossed to the side. I heard a stony voice behind me. Well, well. Seems you've been taken for a ride, Professor. Okay. Okay, I can admit that I may have taken a... misstep. But for what it's worth, I never intended harm. All I offered was a placebo. Surely you can see the innocence in that. No, Nicholas. I genuinely can't. You lied to a great many people, and there's not much else about it. Fine, all right. Whatever you want to think of me is your prerogative. How silly of me to try to change your mind. But your doctor's oath prevents you from letting that mob tear me to shreds, does it not? It appears that I am ultimately at your mercy, doctor. Maybe. Then again, there's a line I have to draw when my oath prevents justice from being delivered. How many others have you deceived? How many more will be deceived if I let you go? How much more harm would I be doing then? I've nothing left to sell, fake or genuine. I could hardly carry the last of the tonic out of town, and my former associates have assured that I wouldn't be leaving with my wagon intact. Could a rattlesnake bite without its venom? What more harm could I possibly do? Doctor, please. You've reduced me to begging. What do you want of me? Some of my medicinal supplies are low. I'm sure you have a few legitimate ingredients to enhance your tonic. I'll take anything you've got. Impossible. They cleaned me out. All I have left are a fistful of bandages and possibly an ointment or two. Then we have no further business. Good day, Professor. Wait, wait, wait. All right, fine. 
There's a hidden compartment on the left side of the wagon under a loose board. There's a few boxes of pills and things. Take it. Take it and let me leave this godforsaken place. This godforsaken place is full of good people who only want somewhere to live as they wish. I can hardly blame them for being angry when a stranger wanders in and attempts to fleece them. But you have my word. I'll distract them. Take the south road past the general store. Stay to the shadows. Keep going till you hit the border. And don't come back. I did as the doctor ordered and slipped out of town. Failure was always in the cards, sure as sunshine, but something about the way that doctor had set me up rubbed me wrong. Against all reason, I doubled back. Under the cover of darkness, I wound my way back into town, suspicion creeping into my spine. I found a tavern still swinging in the wee hours, filled with music and laughter. I peeked into a low window to see the doctor drinking with Claude, laughing at someone's expense. The lockbox of cash sat empty on the bar. Morton Darlin danced drunkenly together while the bald man toasted to a baying old hound. Good boy, Brutus. I turned away from the window and wandered aimlessly into the night. My only company for days was the sting of humility and dust. But I couldn't harbor a speck of anger. I had played my game and I'd rightly lost. I laughed up to the empty sky where the stars hung silent and cold. I was surprised to find myself shuffling back into town. Dirty and disheveled, not a single soul gave me a second look. How many had found their way here the same way? No cart or horse or sales pitch. Only their two feet and empty pockets. And yet, they remained here in Pleasure Town. A few may have even found their happiness. A familiar figure approached me in the street. <laughs> Darlin looked me up and down with a smirk. You look like you could use a drink, stranger. Yes, I suppose I could, darling. Hey, Pleasure Town listeners, this is Emily Modaff, associate producer of Pleasure Town. Once again, I'd like to give you a big shout out for being awesome because this week we reached over 600 likes on Facebook and over 200,000 listens on SoundCloud. And that's amazing. So thank you. A friendly reminder that you can join the story at any time. You can email us at pleasuretownshow at gmail.com, tweet us at pleasuretownok, or you can just search for Pleasure Town on Facebook. This week we have a gaggle of people to thank, so I'm going to get started. Pleasure Town is a part of the WBEZ Podcast Network. Pleasure Town was created by Keith Ecker and Aaron Cahill. This episode was written by Matthew Aaron Glover, one of our Write an Episode Contest winners, and produced by me, Emily Modaff. It was performed by Neil Fontano, Mike Steele, Anna Wolf, David Gordetsky, Faison Hussein, Ian Scarlato, Eleni Sauvigno, Kelly Yocono, Molly Wallace, Rebecca Grossman, Aaron O'Brien, and Michael Lavalley. Sound design by David Novak. Special thanks to Joe Dassault, Mary Gaffney, and Brad Helm. And last but certainly not least, original music by River Rising. Thank you all. We love you.